Welcome to A Different Story, the podcast. My name is Nazli Desi, and this podcast was created to encourage multidimensional conversation around special educational needs and disability in Egypt and beyond. Every other week, we will be speaking to working professionals, family, and community members in the MENA region with the hope that through greater awareness and education, we as a community can deconstruct the stigma and the presupposed judgments we have formed towards special needs and disability. So sit back and enjoy. In today's episode, we will be talking to Maryam Basal, a child psychologist based here in Egypt. Maryam will be talking about the main characteristics of anxiety across children in general and children with special needs in specific. She will be addressing the multi-leveled impact on children and their anxiety levels due to corona, quarantine levels and also post-quarantine levels. And she will be also guiding parents toward certain kinds of tips and guidance that could help them communicate what is happening in the external environment to their children. Hi everyone, welcome to A Different Story. Maryam, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, I'm so happy to be here. Um, as we said, today's episode is about anxiety in children in general, but we'll be doing a bit of focus on children with special needs. So we'll get started. Uh, Maryam, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I am a child and adolescent therapist. I did my master's in psychoanalytic development. Um, and I have a certificate in a therapeutic play, and I did my undergrad in psychology as well. Perfect. And uh, currently, where do you work? Um, I work at Gaia and ACPP um, in a clinic in Maadi and October. Maryam, for those uh, listening, uh, could we just go over what anxiety is in general? What are the main characteristics? What should we be looking out for? So anxiety is uh, basically our body's natural response to stress. Uh, it's a feeling of unease or excess worry. And it's a completely natural um, feeling that we all experience, whether it's adults or children. Um, and it's actually necessary for survival. So sometimes uh, we can see parents uh, feeling like they failed if they have children who are experiencing anxiety. But it's actually essential to... Um, survival so if uh, maybe if they're feeling anxious for a test they'll feel the need to study more or uh, they'll feel the need to protect themselves and that's actually very important and it uh, allows them to be more aware of their feelings and their fears and to process them Um, so so but there is a difference between um, experiencing anxiety and uh, having an anxiety disorder and this is the problem Uh, So an anxiety disorder, um, a child may feel uh, extremely anxious all the time. Uh, They might be worried to go to school or to go out or to avoid certain situations. Uh, They might just even want to stay at home or they might have uh, specific phobias, for example, if they're afraid of dogs. Mm -hmm. They might not even want to leave the house in the fear of seeing a dog. Um, And that's when it becomes a problem. Um, Or they might experience uh, physical pain or um, they have more worry than usual. Uh, they get others to do things for them. So, for example, if someone's socially anxious, they'll uh, get their parent to uh, uh, make an order in a restaurant for them or to okay. order ice cream or anything. And, and that's where it really does become a problem because mm-hmm. it affects the child's ability to cope throughout their day on their own. And would you say that there are specific types of anxiety if we were to label? Or is it more of a... 
different spheres of anxiety. So for example, you touched on social anxiety. So some children just avoid social interaction in general. What other things could we be looking at when it comes? Well, there are so many different types. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's general anxiety, yeah. just they experience uh, anxiety at times. Social anxiety, they may af- avoid uh, social situations where they have to see a lot of people. It can even be that they're avoiding a certain crowd um, if they know that there will be a lot of people uh, or getting back to school uh, mm-hmm. with socially anxious children. Uh, they can also experience OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, yeah. um, where they have obsessions and rituals where they need to um, do certain things to alleviate their symptoms. Mm-hmm. And then there's also uh, PTSD, post-traumatic yeah. stress. Uh, if they experienced a traumatic incident in the past, uh, they might be experiencing uh, anxious symptoms mm-hmm. and uh, they're not able to get on with their day. Yeah. Um, so there are many types. When do we need to contact a professional though? <laughs> okay. Um, so like I said, if you see that your child is... Um, um, they're anxiety is getting way too overwhelming they're not able to get on with their day as usual mm-hmm. and you notice them clinging on to you um more often than not yeah. uh or telling you to do things for them um or avoiding going to their friends or always saying like a lot of children say oh my stomach's hurting i don't want to go to school yeah. and that's their go-to really yeah. um so or they cry over really small things um, or they always think negative, think negatively. Mm-hmm. They see the worst in everything, like yeah. uh, something bad's gonna happen, or uh, no, if I go to school, everyone will laugh at me. Or yeah. they really do um, think, yeah, they do. Uh, so that's when you should uh, consider seeking a mental health professional. And so when entering lockdown specifically with COVID and Corona, I'm sure that that was just a major, major um, source of anxiety, especially for children, with so many changes happening around. So what were the main drivers of elevated anxiety levels across both children and adults? Okay, so the pandemic was um, a stressful situation for both children and adults. Uh, created the break-in routine, and it was very sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody really had time to prepare for it. Um, and uh, everyone was forced to stay at home and that caused caused a lot of stress for both children and adults mm-hmm. because for adults, uh, they may have also experienced a, f- a financial struggle or mm-hmm. a lot of stressors that weren't there before and they also had to become their children's teachers. Exactly. Uh, so that caused a lot of stress. And for children, they had to stay at home. Mm-hmm. Um, they were told to not interact with anyone yeah. and in general... Uh, um, Diagnosing someone with an anxiety disorder, you look out for people who avoid people or stay yeah. at home or they don't want to see anyone. And we were told to, ju- to do just that, mm-hmm. um, which caused a big problem because yeah. it, it, it did cause people who weren't anxious previously to become more on- anxious. Okay. Um, and so uh, that caused a lot of stress for adults. And for children, um, play is extremely important for the development, but they were forced to stay at home and not interact with anyone. And they had increased level of energy as well that they couldn't let out at school or elsewhere. So they had to be at home and um, they didn't really uh, get the chance to um, understand what was going on. And this level of uncertainty Mm -hmm. causes a lot of um, anxiety for everyone, both adults and children. Nobody really knew when this was going to end, where it's going to go, what who it's going to affect in our family Mm -hmm. or our loved ones. 
Um, so that really did um, have a ne negative impact on, um, on, on everyone's families. Um, however, you could see it as a good thing mm -hmm. uh, because uh, a lot of families um, got to spend more time with their uh, children and got to understand uh, each other's feelings and got to see that um, uh, the things that did trigger them or understand how to cope with their mental health and got, got a lot of families closer. Um, although with the adolescents, it wasn't really a great time because adolescents live off um, socializing and yeah. socializing is a big part of their identity at that age. Mm -hmm. uh, so it did cause more harm than good. Mm -hmm. And I think you'd agree with me that that's probably a really heightened impact when it comes to children with special needs and disabilities, especially for those that have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or autism, where they heavily, heavily rely on visual scheduling and certain kinds of routines. And suddenly everything was uprooted and everything changed and they just had to adapt to a new normal at home. And parents aren't ready for that. So I, I just want to stress also that for special needs in general, it was a very, very difficult time for parents. Um, not made to social distance. No children are, true. but it's very hard to t let a, tell a child not to uh, interact with their peers. That's yeah. very scary, and it's, it's not something they're able to contain or to act upon, yeah. uh, especially with children with special needs. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not something that's, that was taken easily. Perfect. And what can a parent expect during this time? Okay. Um, so parents can really expect big behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, by big behaviors, I mean they can act out, they can get angry, they can uh, start to be maybe a bit moody. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because children don't really uh, understand or sometimes they don't have the vocabulary or the language to mm -hmm. express their feelings. Yeah. And most of the time they don't really understand what they're feeling. Yeah. Uh, so it is a very scary experience, and the way they're able to act it out is mm -hmm. is through big behaviors, yeah. basically. And yeah, yeah. Um, you can see things like they can regress, which means that they can uh, go back to a younger age. Like mm -hmm. even if a child has been potty trained, they yeah. can go back to bedwetting, mm -hmm. and um, they could uh, start being angry or impulsive. Yeah. Um, and sometimes uh, parents don't really know what to do when that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, but so sometimes we can even tell our children um, to be a big girl or a big boy and uh, it's not that scary and just get on with it. Uh, and what we really fail to, um, to remember is mm -hmm. that um, it is, they are small children with big fears yeah. and uh, it's very hard to understand those feelings and regulate them. And if you're not there as a secure base, yeah to allow your children to come back to, then um, they won't have the healthy coping mechanisms to deal with um, their anxious feelings or their mental health. And building on that, obviously a parent's way of coping impacts the way their child ends up coping. Uh, so what would be the parent's role in managing their child's anxiety? How can a parent help their child express their worries, their feelings? Um, yeah, so support system is is really important for a child to be able to regulate their feelings because uh, parents or caregivers act as uh, co-regulators and um, actually during the war, World War II, um, a lot of men had to go off to war and women had to step up and um, get jobs and mm -hmm. uh, uh, be the primary caregivers. Um, but uh, so... 
and during that time in Britain, uh, Anna Freud had a nursery and she found that um, the children who would come in for the day or for a few days, some children were extremely anxious and some um, were completely fine. They could play, they could regulate their feelings, they could yeah. smile, laugh. Um, and she found when she looked into it that usually the anxious children were mirroring the, the parents' feelings. Mm. So when the parents were uh, overwhelmed with the war or were extremely anxious, didn't know how to um, uh, go on with it, with the with their feelings or to yeah. deal with the situation yeah. um their children were extremely anxious and they went they regressed and they started to bedwet and they were acting out and experiencing these so-called big behaviors and what tips are there to, on how to talk to your child about a situation like that for example let's say covid or corona how can you talk your child through coping with a situation like that okay so i think the most important thing um would be to validate their feelings mm -hmm. Um, we often um, may get frustrated if our children are experiencing um, anxiety or any mental health problems, uh, but we tend to forget that the most important thing to do is to validate and to use reflective language mm -hmm. by maybe labeling like, um, oh, I can see that you're upset yeah. and um, I know it is scary because we can't deny that it is scary. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we like to sugarcoat just to make our children feel better, but that actually has a negative impact because um, we have to really let them know that we do understand that it is scary and um, it's not um, abnormal to be feeling these yeah. feelings and that they can even know that you're scared and you're worried. Yeah. Uh, but then that's an opportunity to think of ways you can um, help your children think of ways to cope. Yeah. And uh, um, also it's very important to speak to them about what anxiety is because yeah. sometimes they may be experiencing feelings of um, uh, they're overwhelmed or irritable mm -hmm. and they don't really understand what's going on. They might think that they're ill or that they're literally experiencing a heart attack and that's very scary. They don't already know what it is and yeah. how they can cope with it. Uh, so parents could also think of the what ifs. A lot of children uh, love to uh, discuss like, what if uh, everyone laughs at me at first day of school? Or what if um, I'm not able to make friends? And it's actually an opportunity to, to accept these feelings and to talk about them. Was, okay, so what if that does happen? What can we yeah. do? Maybe we can have a diary. Maybe yeah. we can hold something that reminds you of home or anything that helps the child. Every child is different. Mm -hmm. uh, but taking the opportunity to, to um, accept and acknowledge the child's feelings whenever they are experiencing it goes a long way. Um, also modeling good behavior. So if, if, a, if a parent is, uh, is feeling anxious, mm -hmm. um, then they could say that, uh, yeah, I'm feeling really scared. I have a presentation at work. Mm. I don't know what to do, but maybe I'll try breathing exercises. And then yeah. they could do it together. And that's just taking every opportunity to express to the child that it's okay that mom or dad or any caregiver does feel the same way mm -hmm. goes a long way because it allows the child to feel and yeah. to actually process their feelings and understand them. Yeah, no, those are great, great tips. No, amazing. Um, but would you say this is a bit, we could have asked this at the beginning, but what do you think, is there a certain kind of age where anxiety is heightened? So for example, in a situation like Corona, would you say it's more prevalent with children that are in nursery or maybe older children that are more capable of seeing or understanding and grasping the change in their routine? Or do you not, do you not think there, there's a straightforward answer to that? 
Um, I don't think there's a straightforward answer to that. Uh, children experience anxiety at, at different ages, uh, just as adults do. Uh, however, from zero to six yeah. is the ages where your brain starts to develop. You understand your emotions. Mm -hmm. You mirror what your parents are showing you. Yeah. And that's why I'm really stressing on good modeling. Yeah. Uh, because your children will always, almost always act out the way you are acting. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling anxious or you're not able, even if you're feeling anxious um, and you do are experiencing um, mental health problems, speaking about it and labeling it and validating yeah. it will allow the child to be able to process their own feelings mm -hmm. and that's when it won't be as it won't have a negative impact on them uh but yeah so those ages up to six years is essential really uh because then that's when uh, they're also uh developing uh, their attachment style um okay. whether it's um, they like to cling on to their parents or not. They're mm -hmm. able to cope without their parents. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so sometimes also uh, we might want to help our children by doing everything for them. And that yeah. doesn't really um, um, do have the best outcome for them. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes we're just too quick to dismiss their feelings. Like you're not feeling this, it's fine. And we yeah. just go on with life. And even if we do um, find that we didn't really address a certain way we're feeling, or sometimes parents can shout or um, have really um, angry emotions towards their children, talking about it after and explaining that, oh, this pandemic is just too hard on me right now and I'm feeling so stressed. I'm really sorry I did act out. That can go a long, yeah. long way. And any uh, age uh, can, can get through that. And uh, the thing is with children, um, if they do develop an anxiety disorder, it's very easy to work through it and to develop new ways of coping. Um, and so it's not, it's not uh, the end of the world. Okay. <laughs> And going back to school, so the first day of school is a very anxiety-provoking environment for both parents and children. And obviously now things are very different in schools with new things like hybrid learning and social distancing. How can we explain that to children, and especially those with special needs who are not used to that new kind of a norm? Okay, well, going back to school, um, any change in general is, is quite anxiety-provoking. You don't know what to expect, especially with staying home for the past, like, eight months. Uh, children got, to, got used to a new way of being, even yeah. with e-learning. They were uh, learning online, and they're always with their parents. And sometimes for socially anxious children, they, uh, they found that it was actually more comfortable to be at home mm -hmm. because they didn't have to interact with everyone else or go to school or have yeah. that anxiety of, oh, what if something happens? Mm -hmm. uh, so you obviously if going back to that can yeah. cause a, a heightened level of anxiety because now it's just worsened because they got used to um, uh, such a comfortable environment at home. And how do we explain that to children, especially those with special needs? Okay, so I think... Uh, like I said earlier, um, it's important to not sugarcoat uh, the situation. You have to be very honest with them that yeah. things may close again, and that's mm -hmm. very scary. And people may get sick, mm -hmm. and that is very scary. Um, and you have to be honest about the situation at school as well. You yeah. won't be able to interact with your friends, but how can we cope with that? And like yeah. I said, having those coping skills that you learn at home with your yeah. parent um, will help them in the situation uh, so they can feel safe. Mm -hmm. 
they can feel that okay uh, I went through this over this with my mom or dad uh, they can maybe you can help them uh, remember a time when you felt really relaxed if you're feeling really anxious you can remember a time on the beach with us yeah. and uh, there are a lot of little things you can do with your child each child is different and they comfort themselves in different ways um, especially with children with special needs um, it's best to also um, avoid surprises <laughs> so basically um, wearing masks is difficult uh, sometimes and it's, it really irritates and bothers them and they don't really understand why they have to do this so maybe practicing at home taking it step by step like yeah. oh we can wear it for a minute all around the house and we can do it together and uh, we can even play it on our puppets or toys uh, wearing a mask or uh, allowing them to get comfortable with that they're used to it in the home where they're comfortable um, can maybe help them cope with it in school or outside in, yeah. in their environment. No, definitely role-playing a situation like that makes the, the actual, actual real-life experience not as daunting. So no, I agree with that, with those, uh, yeah. with those steps to just prepare for that first day of school, for those new measures, for yeah. everything new that's happening around them. The goal is not to eliminate anxiety completely because that's never going to happen. Yeah. So it's just way, finding ways to manage and cope with it uh, within the safety of being home and the trust, the, the trust of your caregivers. Yeah. And then you're able to manage and day-to-day -day life. Okay, Mariam, is there anything else you'd like to add? This was amazing. Um, yeah, I just want to say um, I stressed a lot on the role of the caregivers and the parents' role in managing or regulating their children's anxiety. Uh, but as uh, Winnicott said, um, yeah. there's no such thing as a perfect mother. All you need to be is good enough. And that's what's needed to um, really regulate your children's feelings. Perfect. Thank you so, so, so much, Mariam, for joining. I'm sure everyone learned something or a, couple, a lot of new things from you today. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to please subscribe to the podcast if you liked what you heard. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at at different story by N. As always, this podcast is your platform. It's your voice. Please reach out to me if you'd like to be involved or share your story. Have a wonderful day and stay tuned for next week's guest.